Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Teal Time Podcast. I am David Teal, columnist for the Daily Press and Virginian Pilot, alongside Norm Wood, our Virginia Tech football beat guy. And uh, Jamie's not going to join us this week. We're not going to go through the rest of the ACC, Norm. We're going to make this strictly about the Commonwealth Cup and winner take all for the Coastal Division, a third time, a sequel of 2007 and 11. Good, that's about all I know about right now. So, you know, <laughs> we all are, Commonwealth Cup all the time. Yes, we are sitting here uh, high above Lane Stadium, and we have just witnessed the Hokies' second consecutive ACC shutout, which puts them in rare company. We'll get to that later. But they beat Pitt today 28 to nothing, and I'll just open the floor to you. <laughs> Thoughts? Um, it was miserable, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really miserable. Well, it was miserable watching everybody out there. <laughs> it was pretty nice and cozy where we were. It was 72 degrees inside the, the Lane Stadium, dry Lane Stadium press box, but um, none of the conditions seemed to deter Virginia Tech, especially on the defensive side of the ball for the second straight week. Where they hold an opponent, I guess, under 200 yards. Yeah. For you know, back-to-back weeks now after um, shutting down Georgia Tech last week, but this one was more impressive to me, obviously, with a a capable Pittsburgh offense. Uh, struggled to run the ball this year, but um, they got nothing today. I mean, they had 2.2 yards per carry. Uh, never really could get started on the ground, um, and Kenny Pickett was chased around quite a bit. Um, yeah, only sacked twice, only but sacked man, twice, they but got was, pressure. Yeah, he was chased him. around quite a bit. Um, big fumble early in the game, uh, when, and when Ashby blitzed him, Rayshard Ashby blitzed him, and uh, kind of got Virginia Tech kick started with that. When Norrell oh, the Pollard, scoop and score, yeah. When Norrell Pollard picked up that that uh, picket fumble and scored on it, and um, two touchdowns in nine seconds. <laughs> two touchdowns in nine seconds, which is kind of what I wrote about early, early, you know, in my in my lead and. How the whole thing kind of changed in nine seconds when, you know that that comes on the, I guess that comes on the heels actually of the seventy-one yard catch by Tavion Robinson. Yeah, that set up the first set touchdown. up the first touchdown by James Mitchell, and then one play later you get the Ashby chasing after Pickett, causing the fumble mm-hmm. that that Pollard got. So that really got things rolling, and 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 um, you know you know Pittsburgh's playing on his heels at that point, and like uh, Bud likes to do, he'll. You know, send some send some pressure, and um, you know he he did dabble, continue to dabble some with with three man pressure at, at times, and and uh, Pittsburgh was able to to drive. But as has been the case for most of the season with Pittsburgh, once they get in the red zone, they lose their minds and aren't yeah. real efficient. And and again today they failed to score when they had their you know one chance in the red zone they that had, fourth down when Shamari Connor came off the edge yeah when Shamari Connor came came off the edge and got in Pickett's face and and uh caused him to, to to rush a pass and um and Caleb Farley was right there um to 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 break up that that pass so um it was I think they put 13 drives Pittsburgh had they crossed mm-hmm. midfield three times um you know, it, it's just been it's been a it's been an unbelievable stretch for Virginia Tech's defense here, especially these you know, these last two weeks where they've 
you know, recorded uh, sh- uh, shutouts in back-to-back games against Power 5 opponents for the first time in Bud Foster's 25 years as defensive coordinator. And just the third time in his career they've had back-to-back shutouts against anybody. Yeah. Um, so um, they're peaking at the right time for sure. I, I don't know if you're – I don't know how you're feeling right now if you're a Virginia fan after winning today by 28 points, I guess it was, 55-27. 55-27 over Liberty. Yeah, over Liberty, which is a nice win, no question. Yeah. I know that, that, that game uh, was tight in the first half, I saw, and then, and then they pulled away in the second half. But yeah. I don't know how you're feeling if you're looking at this Virginia Tech team that's won three in a row, six of their last seven, you know, has, has figured out quite a bit on, on uh, you know, how, how to stop the run and – and and create some some pressure. Um, I don't know, you know what your mindset is when you've lost 15 in a row to these guys, and now you see them peaking the way they are right now. It's got to be an uneasy feeling sitting up there, you know, atop the Coastal Division where you've been for most of most of the, the season, season, and and now these guys are coming. I mean, it's and they're tied. They're identical, eight and three. Yeah, they're both five eight and three, two. five and two, and. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's an interesting setup, that's for sure. It really is, and, and you mentioned the the role that they're on these last two weeks. You go back to the Wake Forest game the week prior to Georgia Tech, where they held the Deacon scoreless yeah. for their final six possessions, thirteen more possessions against Georgia Tech, thirteen more possessions against Pitt today. <laughs> I'm not great at math, but that's 32 yeah. consecutive scoreless possessions. And, oh, by the way, during that stretch, the defense has contributed yeah. two touchdowns. Yeah. back-to-back weeks now. Because Farley had the pick six yep. last week, and Tech has scored since, the, since midway through like that third quarter of the week. Tech has scored 96 yeah. consecutive touchdowns. Points. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's nine straight quarters of, of scoreless ball against Virginia Tech by opponents. No, not a single point given up by Tech. And the last time Tech had a longer stretch of quarters um, uh, that they haven't given up a point was 2005 when they had ten straight quarters against uh, in wins against Duke and Ohio and Georgia Tech. Um, so you know, they're they're approaching you know a pretty historic. Mark, as far as um, you know, a Bud Foster coach defense is concerned in his last season, which is yeah. pretty oh, it's, pretty amazing. It's I mean, unbelievable how yeah. how he's closing. I mean, and, since September. I mean, I, you know, I yeah, since the I Duke game, they didn't get a chance. I'll ask him maybe if you know we get a chance to talk to him on Monday. I'm going to ask him, like, you know, honestly, if he you know sat if he if he was if he's being honest at the end of September could he have ever seen this coming Come. with this group you yeah. know i mean absolutely they they are and i after the way they went last year and this and the struggles that they had last year and the way and the way they were kind of circling the drain at the end of September after the loss to duke 35 point loss at home to duke i don't know if he's being honest if he really thought that this was possible with this group you know and i get it that they've gotten healthier with crawford coming back and you know so that that that's that's helpful. Like Garbett's gotten healthier too, and he's certainly been a nice pass rush presence um, in in the second half of the season. But I mean they they've keyed in they've keyed in a lot of other things other than just Crawford and Garbett getting healthy. I mean it's been it's been a, a night and day type difference. It seems like yeah. I mean you, you mentioned last year 
I mean, the last two weeks against Georgia Tech and Pitt, Virginia Tech has avenged 2018 losses of 21 points to the Jackets, 30 points to the Panthers, games in which they gave up more than 400 yards rushing yeah. in each, almost 500 against Pitt. Pitt. And yeah. to think that in a year's time, they have completely flipped the script and shut out both of them. And oh, by the way, I was back in in the press box scanning the ACC media guide. Virginia Tech is the first ACC team to post back-to-back shutouts, both of league opponents, since Maryland in 1978. That's, I was three years old, by the way. Um, so I don't remember that, but it's, that's, that's pretty impressive. That is ridiculous. That was the beginning of my yeah. sophomore year of college yeah. at, at JMU, and of course you were only three. I mean, they, they avenged three big losses this year. I know that the Miami game wasn't nearly as impressive as yeah. uh, this year anyway, as the, the, the 42-35 win down there wasn't nearly as impressive, especially considering they had to hang on by the skin of their teeth to win that game after being mm-hmm. up big. Uh, but you know that was a 24-point loss in Blacksburg last year to Miami. So you know that's that's three three wins of 21 or three losses of 21 plus points last year that, that they've advanced this year. So yeah, absolutely. And you you mentioned earlier that you know Pitt very dependent this season on Kenny Pickett. He entered this game 61 percent. 61 percent. He goes 10 for 26 today. And, oh, by the way, let's not blame the weather because look at Hendon Hooker's line, dude. He was 10 for 13 for a buck 53 and two touchdowns. And they looked downfield, too. It wasn't like it was all dink and dunk stuff. Uh Uh-uh. You know, it was – and as he said after the game, and who knows if he's being truthful or not, but without hesitation, he said that there was – no, they didn't hold anything back in the playbook – um, oh, because of the weather. Because you mean? of the weather, and it was gross. And I it don't know. How, I don't know how. I often don't think television depicts it very well because the they, the, the cameras are so sharp that they, they you don't see how much is raining out there. But yeah. man, it was it was. I mean, it was foggy and cold oh, and 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 intermittent stretches of heavy rain. Where I mean, it was a. It was a late November night in Blacksburg. This is pretty typical yeah. of Blacksburg this time of year. They got the full brunt of it tonight. The only thing they were missing was wind. It wasn't terribly windy out yeah. there, but, man, it was gross. Yeah, it really was. Two guys I wanted to, to ask you about. One, uh, he, he's a beach kid, I believe, Tavion Robinson. Yeah, Cox High grad, yeah. Yeah, I mean, his impact these last two weeks, I mean, wow. Yeah, seriously, and in, 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 the, in the return game, especially, you know, it did a nice return against Georgia Tech last week. To, I believe set up a touchdown. Yep, um, and he had a, and he had a big play on a reverse. Big play in a reverse. Had another big play in a reverse tonight, where he ran for thirty-two yards and set up another touchdown. And then the big reception and then the big, tonight. The big seventy-one-yard catch where he makes two defensive backs miss and and somehow gets run down at the one-yard line. It was yeah. credit to that. Um, uh, Cam Bright, the linebacker, linebacker runs I runs get, him down. That kid's good. That kid, that, that kid's really he's, good. He's I mean, really Robinson good. is arguably the second or third fastest team guy on the team for, for yeah. Tech. So to do that's pretty impressive. But yeah, Tavon's been 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 really good. And he had a twenty yard punt return today. Twenty yard punt return, and 
you know, he, he's a guy that's 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 uh, steadily had more and more of an impact. It seems like as this season's gone along, and um, and, that's, and that's not to say. I mean, he started out well too. I remember early on in the season, um, he, he had. I think he had a really nice game in that loss to uh, BC, if I'm not mistaken. I think he, he did. I think he had a nice nice effort there too, right yeah. out of the gate, because. Um, Damon Hazelton was, was hurt. Was hurt exactly, and um, he came on pretty quickly. So he's he's had an impact all season long. He he really has. And then I thought Shamari Connor was the the best defender on the field tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, if you talk, he's just the one that popped. To he me. is. I, I, I don't know why. He does it every game. It seems like he yeah. has one big jarring hit that makes the crowd go ooh. You oh, know? and the one was so bogus that they yeah, flagged so ridiculous. tonight. Totally on, ridiculous. Yeah. I, I I mean, it. I guess that is not a – we were talking in the press box not about it reviewable. being a reviewable play. Nope. It's not a reviewable play. That, to me, seems absurd. It's not reviewable. Um, so, I, you know, we watched it. I saw on – I think I saw – yeah, on Twitter, I saw a, a super slow-mo replay of it. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand how that could possibly be anything but illegal hit. So, yeah. anyway. Um, but, yeah, not to get too far off the point, but Con- Connor – um, Rayshard Ashby was talking about him tonight and how um, the defense really kind of feeds off of his big plays like that, mm-hmm. it sounds like. I mean, that's a big, big emotional lift. The crowd gets into it, but the defense really gets into it too. Um, I know from Bud Foster's standpoint, Rayshard Ashby is like another son to him at this point. Like he loves him some Rayshard Ashby, and, and that and that guy's playing great too. He's by playing the way. great. He's and, having an All ACC season, and he stumped and Bud stumped for Rayshard tonight. Too. Oh, did he? he said, I, you know, I missed that. You, you know, and he said, "I'm looking at you." He said, "I'm looking at you." When you, I know you media vote. He said, "If if he's anything but a first team All ACC player, I, you got to talk to me. I don't, wow. I don't understand how he's not." And I mean, I, I don't, I don't. I don't I don't see how it couldn't be either. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's he's kind of a. I mean, he and Caleb Farley to me are the two guys that are first yes. team All ACC locks. But Jamari Connor, unfortunately, may not get votes, but he's been just as critical in so many stretches because he he, he blitzes. Um, he's a great open field tackler. Yeah. Where do they nominate him? What position? Yeah, right. I mean, is that the thing that they? I mean, he's a nickel in this defense. Right. Do they nominate him as a linebacker? Yeah, as a or corner? defensive back. As a I mean, that's, that's the problem. He's going to pitch and hold into an area there where mm-hmm. I don't know where you put him, but man, he's invaluable for this group uh, uh, just because of I mean, he's he's one of their most sure tacklers and has been all season. Yeah, he absolutely is. So we we, we look at the Hokies. They've won six of their last seven. They were number 25 in the AP poll coming into tonight, unranked by the college football playoff. I I can't imagine that doesn't change when the rankings are released yeah. Tuesday night, which is important yeah. because if the Hokies then beat Virginia to, to win the Coastal and go on and, and play Clemson in, in the ACC championship game, if they were to then lose, as we all presume they would, perhaps even by a considerable margin, yeah. if they're the next ranked team, it's off to the Orange Bowl uh, for for Virginia Tech. And you mentioned, of course, this being Bud Foster's final home game. I was struck. I wasn't surprised, but I was struck that he closed his remarks yeah. tonight by thanking the media 
and saying there were times, you know, <laughs> thanking the media for its kindness and saying there were times when he probably could have ripped his backside. Of course, he doesn't remember the times that we did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read those stories, let's be honest. Yeah. Or, or he's convenient. It's very selective Deleted. memory. Yeah. But, but we've both been around this program for a long time, and I think we agree as most in our shoes would and in the media contingent would, that we owe Bud our thanks to for his accessibility, his candor, I mean, for decades. I mean, he's been great. Yeah, he has. And he's been, I mean, I'd say this about uh, a lot of coaches that I, I like to talk to, is that he's been a real human being. Like, he's yeah. just, he's a guy that... Like I, I run, I've run into him. I can't tell you how many times I've run into him in the hallway. We've never said a word about football, yeah. um, and it's been really personal stuff that we've both talked about, um, especially in, in recent years, um, and, and some things that I've talked to him about that I've kept off the record at his request. That I hope here at some point we would, we could talk about and maybe put on the record. But um, and because of that, I feel really. I think we both tweeted, you know, how grateful we are that uh, yeah. I, I said that, you know, we've gotten some often colorful points of view from him, you know, <laughs> yeah, which oh we don't gosh, get from, yeah. from a lot of people these days. I mean, he's part of a, a dying breed of coach that doesn't, you know, believe in, you know, being paranoid about everything and, and not putting your personality out there a little bit. Um, so, I, you know, I mention all the stuff about the personal things that we can discuss and talk about. And they, they, those are things that you get to talk about after you've, you know, sort of functioned for 20 years uh, talking with a coach. But by the same token, when he's in a professional setting, I've learned an awful lot of football from that yeah. dude. You know what I mean? No, he's great. And there's a lot of things that I'll hear from him and I don't know what he's talking about. And I'll ask him in the hallway to explain it to me, or I'll go and, and look it up and figure it out. And it, it's just, you know, I've gotten a great education about football from him. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but maybe the only other coach that I feel like I've gotten a similar education about football from was Al Groh. No, that does when not he sound was at ridiculous. Because they're the same vintage, you know, they're yes. the same, you know, around the same age. And Al Very Groh, different personalities, clearly. And Al I mean, Groh loves Bud Foster. He does. He T- ton of respect. Well, it makes sense because yes. they're both defensive guys, yes. and you know, old school, you know, blue collar types, you know, with mm-hmm. that type of approach. And um, but you know, I, Al, for all of his, you know, there may be some other personality things that you might not like about him, but man, I learned so much football yeah. from that dude too. So it's the same thing with Bud. Just a lot of football knowledge that that they're willing to share. Yeah. I go back to the pit game last year. And, I, and I'll just never forget being up in the press box at Heinz Field and looking through the binoculars during that beatdown. And I have never seen Bud so forlorn on the sideline and then after the game. And as it turns out, what we didn't know yeah. was that he was dealing with some pretty serious health matters that he got straightened out during the offseason, yeah. including his very cranky knee. Yeah. That, that, that he had replaced, and I mean he, and and that was another miserable weather game. Yeah, yeah, it up, was up, up there last year. But he even colder. I think it was cold. Yeah, because remember after that game, his doctor put him in the press in the box, box the rest of the season. Yeah, yep. and said you can't coach from from down on the sideline. Yeah. and clear. You know he wanted to be back um, 
on the field with, with his guys as he has been uh, throughout this season. But to see that contrast uh, with him is just is just so striking. And it's amazing that the Hokies have been able to author this for him because when he announced his impending retirement on media day to a man, they all said, you know, we want to make this memorable for him. And up to now, so they have. But yeah. they, they, they've got another large hurdle, I think, in, in, in front of them. Black Friday in Charlottesville. They've won the last 15. You know, you, you mentioned Virginia's win today. I, I jotted down some notes. 55-27, the Cavs rolled up 499 yards on Liberty. Again, it's, it's Liberty which hasn't beaten a sold six wins notwithstanding. The Flames haven't beaten anyone of merit. Buckshot Calvert did throw for 313 today. But he hadn't thrown a pick in more than 280 passes, and Devontae Cross got him twice today. Hmm. And returned those two picks, by the way, for a total of 87 wow. yards, which really helps. And, and the Cavaliers did some business on the ground with their running backs, which they hadn't been doing lately. P.K. Kyron. Worst rushing team in the ACC, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah? P.K. Kyron and, and Lamont Atkins with a combined buck 43 on 19 carries. And, again, you have to consider – the opponent and boy they're facing a far more stout run defense uh next week yeah in 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 virginia Tech. how much how much of virginia on television have you seen not an awful much? lot not not a ton i've seen um let me see here let me let me yeah. check check the schedule real quick trying to think who i um Looking down the list, I think I did see. I did see the Miami game. Yeah, because I was a Friday night. Yeah, the Friday night game, and I think I've seen them one other time. You I, probably saw the Notre Dame game because it was the day after the. That's Duke right, the, which game was here. a Friday night too. So that's that's yeah. probably the two. Yeah, yeah. So those are that's it. That's the only time I've seen them. So it's been. You know, it's almost a half season ago since mm-hmm. I've since I've seen them. Yeah, and um, it, it, as as much as we make of. Virginia Tech's six and one role. You know, since losing to Louisville, the Hokies have, or excuse me, the Cavaliers have won their last three. They won at Carolina, and they've revived their offense too. Yeah, beat beat Georgia Tech, beat beat Liberty. So they've won three in a row and four of their last five since losing to back to back to to Notre Dame and Miami. I'll just be, you know. It'll be fascinating to me to see, as you mentioned, how um, how they can run against Virginia Tech's uh, rush defense, which has obviously improved quite a bit over the last couple of months. Uh, by the same token, I will be interested to see how Virginia's secondary, which yes. is all banged up, mm-hmm. um, and Great with Cross today, that seems encouraging. Yeah, uh, for for a, for a group that's missing Hall and Nelson. Yep. Um, and a whole bunch of and others. A, but and a whole bunch of others, but those two primary those, cogs. Yes. How they fare against uh, Damon Hazleton and Tavion Robinson and Trey Turner and, you know, a host of guys that, you know, James Mitchell and Dalton, Dalton Keene. Dalton Keene with a heck you know, of a catch. Dalton Keene with a heck of a catch. And just, he's the best blocker on the team, probably. I mean, he's just, you know, he freed up, you know, Trey Turner for, 
you know, a 17-yard gain that would have been a two or three-yard gain in that little what is it, little tunnel screen there? What I think it was, or mm-hmm. yeah, I think out you're there. Right. Um, um, so, you know, that that'll be interesting. A couple of just a couple of matchup things there, um, but um, you know, it it's a it's a fascinating matchup again to see to see how the 15-game losing streak manifests itself. I got it as I've said before, man. I you know. Virginia is far better. This is probably the this is probably the best Virginia team, or if not the best, the second best. Maybe that two thousand, what was it, two thousand eleven team, or was it the team that went to the Chick Fil A Bowl? Two thousand eleven. Yeah, the Chick Fil A Bowl. They mm-hmm. lost to Auburn. Yep. Um, first or second best team, maybe during that stretch. I don't know. Um, but I just won't believe that they can win until it actually until, happens. Until it happens. Like my eyes have to see it happen. So yeah, well, I, I mean, I've and, and you know from conversations we've had throughout the season, at, at various stages, walking to the car after a yeah. game or just before a game, I have thought all along, and I picked Virginia in preseason to to win the league or or not to win the league, excuse me, to win the coastal, yeah, which basically meant they probably have to beat Virginia Tech, and sure enough, they do. I mean, think of think of what is at stake on Saturday for Virginia. They've never won the coast. Mm-hmm. They've lost 15 straight in this series. They haven't had it they're unbeaten at home this year. They haven't had an unbeaten home season since 1998. Wow. I mean they are playing for a ton on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it, it it will be interesting to see how how that how that pressure manifests itself, if if at all, uh, can the Hokies contain Perkins? You know, he if he gets out in space, we we know what what he can do, and I think that's that's going to be a big part of of Bud Foster's task is to make sure that his guys are uh, locked in on Bryce. Because you remember here last year, yeah. At it, the start of the second half, they couldn't stop right. Bryce Perkins Bryce, yeah. from, from, from throwing the ball, especially. Exactly. I mean, Virginia had Tech beat last year. They absolutely did. Yeah. And then th- they get that miracle from Willis to, to Dalton Keene yeah. to, to, to set up the tying score to force overtime. And then it looked like Virginia was going to go in for a touchdown in overtime. But then they forced the Perkins fumble. Fumble, yeah, that's right. And uh, I think that was Ashby maybe coming off the edge. I know, I know Belmar. I thought Mahota might have had a. Okay, I, I, I know Belmar recovered it. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that, yeah, probably right. It probably was Ashby. Yeah. And it was, you know, just ridiculous. And that was a game that, that Tech had to have for, uh, for Bola, its for, eligibility. Yeah, yeah. To, to extend both its bowl streak and its winning ways yeah, against UVA. Yeah. I, I, I did a, and I'm going to write about this later next week. But as we've mentioned, this is the third time, 2007, 2011, and now 19, where it's winner take all between yeah. these two programs. I don't know how much you remember about the 2007 and 11 games. And, and, and I, the, if you tell me the scores, I will probably remember it because well, well two, the two thousand eleven was like thirty eight nothing. The thirty eight nothing game, okay? Yes. yes. Yeah. Where I infamously in print online on radio shows picked Virginia, Virginia to, to win. win, and and 
Frank Beamer, Shane Beamer, and like half the coaching staff. Shamed you after the game? Oh, my God. They crushed me on the field yes. after the game. And, 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 and fans on Twitter, they hammered me. Oh, yeah. I mean, to this day, they remind me of it, which is all, all well and good and, and in fun. Mm-hmm. But the, the 2007 game, I went back and was reading our stuff. Steiny rotated Tyrod Taylor and Sean Glennon yeah. 20 times. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. In that game. Tyrod got the two multiple, short. Multiple times on, same, on, on the same possession. Like oh, on, yeah. Tyrod got the two short rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And Glennon, he completed only 13 passes, but those 13 passes went for 260 yards. Wow. Yeah, Eddie he, Royal with a huge day. He, he went full Steve Spurrier in that, in that game. Yep. Yep. Sure, sure. With the did. rotation. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was crazy to, to to look back. And one of my favorite sportsmanship moments of is is from that 2007 game. As bitterly disappointed as Chris Long was, because I believe that was his final game in Virginia, and they had put his number 91 up the flagpole mm. in Scott Stadium, mm-hmm. and he was playing to. And a fairly short losing streak to Tech, but again playing for a Coastal Division title. Rather than storm off the field or what, he found Tyrod Taylor after that game and told him, and this is true freshman Tyrod Taylor, yeah. told him, you're going to be a hell of a player. Well, I, they, I, both, they both ended up being pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and I just thought it was a really classy yeah, thing yeah. Absolutely. For, uh, for, for Chris Long. Yeah. Uh, to do no question your thoughts on the game being that this is the third year in a row and the fourth time in the last six that this game is on black friday i'm not a fan man i yeah i I, and i i'm kind of i I don't i get the sense that that i I, see i don't the fans yeah i don't get a lot of awful lot of perspective from uva fans obviously but Tech fans don't seem to be real fond of it, and especially this year where – With the look, new kick. Look, I've always been – and I'm, I, I, I love high school football. I think we all do. I don't think I'm alone there. But I've always kind of thought that Friday is for, for high school football, you yeah. know, especially during this time of the year. And ESPN playoffs thinks and all that. differently. Yeah, ESPN thinks differently. I get it. It's all about money and, and needing inventory and all that good stuff. But, um, you know – Black Friday, playing, playing on Black Friday is one thing. Playing a, on Black Friday at noon to me shouldn't be a thing. I mean, it just yeah. shouldn't exist. Right. Like, that to me seems almost, like, criminal to do that to people, to get them to have to spend Thanksgiving with your families and then make the decision about whether you want to get up early the next morning or leave the night of Thanksgiving to get to a game. And mm-hmm. it just seems ridiculous to me. Like, it, it shouldn't be that important, you know, to... To kick off at noon, and you're talking to a guy that loves noon kickoffs, man. Right, right. I, I will take 11 a.m. noon okay. kickoffs every single Saturday, yeah. every Saturday of the season. I want it because it's totally selfish. Has nothing to do with disappointing fans. I just oh. want to get out of the press box before, as I tell everybody, if we're if a game and you guys, listeners, may not care about the plight of the poor reporters. I get it, <laughs> but. Every game that kicks off at 3.30 or later means that 
we as reporters are leaving the press box between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m., yeah. depending on when kickoff is. Yep. Noon kick means we get to leave at like 7 or 8, which is yeah. pretty nice, especially in September and October when you still have daylight left. But, yeah, it really but regardless, I just, I'm not a fan of Black Friday games. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've come to, to, to that stance as well. And what makes the noon kick even more of a burden is you get it with only an 11-day notice. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I went back. The ACC, the best I can tell, first played a Black Friday game in 2011 and sent BC to Miami. Hmm. But the 3.30 kickoff time was announced before the season. Yeah. So... Everybody had plenty of notice yeah. to make your, your Thanksgiving plans accordingly if you're interested in attending that game or watching it on TV. You've known for months and months this is when it is. Why can't they do that at least for Black Friday? Right. Yeah. Yeah, set it in stone. I mean, I don't – yeah, exactly. I don't understand – I don't understand the the, the – the, the need to only you know, to to, um, to 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 spring it on people, you know, less than with less than two weeks' notice, it just doesn't. None of it makes any sense to me. Yeah. Um, bef- hey, before we get too far away from today's game, yeah. A shout out for Oscar Bradburn on a day when his numbers did not look all that impressive. Right. And the reason I mention Oscar Bradburn is there probably is not a player on Tech's team that's lined up more for an individual award more than him. Led the nation in punting average coming into the game uh, with 48.3, and he comes out with seven punts today with 38.6 yards. But I thought the two, the two punts at the end of the third quarter today. Yes. I mean, what – I mean, that is really impressive stuff, man. Raining. It's probably raining as hard at that point as it had all day long. Yeah, you're talking about when he had to re-kick. He had to re-kick. It's fourth and 17. He punts 34 yards, and the ball's down at pitch three. You think, oh, man, that's awesome. What? He just kills it right there at the three. There's an illegal formation, so he's going to punt it again. So he punts from the 42, and it gets down inside the five, like the four-and-a-half-yard line. And, you know, it's – to back-to-back incredible punts, and um, he's—I mean, he is to, to to me. And and so you you look at that and you say, okay, you've got those two punts. That that by itself is pretty amazing. But then Pittsburgh turns the ball over on downs the very next drive at their own twenty-five yard line, and Tech Goes scores in, right. and puts the game away to, to erase to nothing to erase any down you know, with ten fifty left in the fourth quarter. It's because of those punts. I mean, yeah. it's you know he's done that all season long. To me, he's you know I got asked earlier this week by Wes McElroy on his show, who is Tech going to nominate for the Dudley Award? And That's a I great said, question. and I and I thought he was setting me up for this, and I thought he he thought I was going to say Oscar Bradburn, and I I, I said well it's probably going to be Farley or Ashby, yeah. maybe they sneak Hendon Hooker in there because he's the offensive guy and he's at the time it's five no now six and zero as a starter, and still hasn't thrown an interception. Nope. Um, but Oscar Bradburn has been just as valuable in so many different ways for this mm-hmm. team, flipping the field. Uh, giving him field position, all that kind of thing, and, and and you know I know he's only a junior. Dude's gonna get drafted next year if he continues to do this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, 
I know he's just a punter, and we've probably spent too much time talking about a punter here, but dude's been pretty valuable for this team. We talked about this earlier. Listeners will know by the time this podcast is posted. What do you think the number is? Yeah, for Friday. For Friday, it, it's that's. I'm fascinated to see what it's going to be when it comes out. I, I think it could be as much as three and a half, four points. Yeah, a tech tech, tech yes. favored by three and a half, four points. Yep. Um, I don't think there's any chance UVA gets favored. Uh, it's favored, uh, or opens as the favorite, should yeah. I say? Yeah, unless um, they unless the public bets them that way. Yeah, that's the thing. And what happens during the course of the week? But um, yeah, I, I still I do think Tech could be a three three or four point point favorite going you know opening up Sunday. Prediction they cover? Um, yeah, yeah, I think they do cover. I think Tech wins this. Not, I don't think it's going to be a total butt whooping or anything like that. No, but, I don't either. But I you know I could see them winning by nine ten points. I mean I think it could be a couple scores. Yeah, I. The, t- to me, one of the one of the fascinating matchups, and there are several in this game, is I think we both agree, and we really haven't mentioned these guys in this conversation. Virginia Tech's offensive line has improved yeah. a ton during this stretch in a really unconventional way. Too. Yeah, yeah, when 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 you're talking about. A redshirt freshman in Luke Tenuta, true freshman in Brian Hudson and Doug Nestor. That's that, that's remarkable. Yeah. And and Virginia's front seven is pretty darn good. Yeah. And you're, you're talking about Charles Snowden and Jordan Mack, and and those guys and Eli Handback, and Jawan Briggs. I mean, those cats are good. Yeah. And. Bronco Mendenhall, as Justin Fuente will be quick to tell you, he can X and O a little bit of defense too. For sure, and and you know for for, um, and I know Pitt came in today leading the nation with 45 sacks, and they got three today. They got some pressure on Hooker, but mm-hmm. um, I I thought that they held up pretty well against yeah, I did what too. was probably the toughest defensive line that they've seen all season long in Notre Dame. Notwithstanding, you know, the Notre Dame's got guys that are going to be pros, but um, and they had come off that big performance, or like what a week or two earlier, I guess, against Virginia, where they they sacked uh, Notre Dame had sacked uh, uh, Bryce Perkins what eight times, eight times, I guess it was, yeah. So including, I think, five in the third quarter. Yeah, but still, I thought today was was uh, the most the best collective group that that Virginia Tech probably saw. And they handle them. But, but, you know, the guy that goes unnoticed, I think, so much in this group is, is Christian Darasaw at left tackle. That's an all-conference and guy. That's an all-conference dude. I mean, he yes. has been almost infallible this, this, this season. I don't know how many sacks he's given up. Yeah. It's not many, man. I mean, he really isn't. I mean, he's got, you know, maybe, I mean, it's and, – and Vance Weiss, the Virginia Tech's offensive line coach, was talking about it this week and how he is the most steady guy on the team – um, he understands everything. He's a explain it to you to him once type guy, and he just gets it, you know. And 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 um, you know, he, he's a guy that he never has to worry about not understanding a concept. So, you know, he's and he's only what a redshirt sophomore. So, um, you know, it's it, so when you look at that, Lucita Smith at left guard, I think, has become one of the better leaders on this team too. Uh, Super bright dude. Um, I mean, this is a really good line now. I mean, mm-hmm. looking at and, and, and given their youth, 
uh, it's going to be a good line as long as they you know avoid injury. It's uh, but yeah, you're right. They've got a really big test coming up this week where um, you know now now you've got a uh, you know a defense that can that can scheme up to try to you know uh, limit. Uh, Hooker's ability to, to move the pocket and slide back and forth, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a stern test. Yeah, one, one one other element or component of the game I'm interested in is special teams mm-hmm. because Virginia's got some good return guys, and it's not just Joe Reed, Reed. Billy Kemp, Tavares Kelly. They they are good in punt returns. They are in in and, and that plays into all your comments about Bradburn. Yes. He's going to need to pin him. He's going to need to to angle kicks. Yep, hang time. Get 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 the coverage down there. Which has been his strength all year is his hang time. Yeah, and John Parker Romo just needs to kick it out of the end zone. Yeah, as he has wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't want to risk Virginia bringing kicks back. I I think they're very, very gifted in that area. And I also think just given the winning streak, or in his case the losing streak of his program. And given what's at stake, we're going to see some gadgets from Bronco Mendenhall hmm. on, on the offensive side. Yeah. Maybe even maybe even, in, maybe even in specialty, an yeah. onside kick, a fake punt, yeah. a, a, an, an odd formation in field goal alignment or extra point alignment that leads to a fake or a two-point conversion. Something funky. Yes. I, I, I really do. But all that said, you know, I was I was here for Wake Forest. We, you know, both of us were here for Wake. I was in Atlanta with you. I was here today. Obviously, they've convinced me. I I think the Hokies make it 16 on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I just it's just it's just hard when you when you've seen it for so long. Yeah, and I've felt, and there have been times when I felt like. Um, the streak was going to end also, and I predicted Virginia to win, and I've ended up with egg on my face. And I remember – Oh, I thought for sure it was ending last year. Yeah, and I remember – I don't remember what year it was. I get the years mixed up. But the year that Al Groh put Vic Hall at quarterback and surprised everybody right? and ran him around all game long, I thought, oh, man, that's brilliant. That's And it, it did. It, it screwed up Bud Foster and Tech for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be the game that they got him. And they almost did that, yes. that day, um, but Tech again survived. Again, that was another one where it was just you know surviving by the skin of your teeth type game. I don't know if that happens this week or not. Um, like I said, I think Tech could win by you know eight, nine, ten points. But um, again, I don't think anybody kill. You know, I don't think he's going to hammer anybody in this game. No, I don't think so. But either. Um, you know, it's you know it's. It's uh, it's it's still an uphill climb, I think, for UVA. Yeah. Well, we've rambled on for for long enough. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and same to our to our loyal listeners. And we will talk to you again next week after we know right. who, who wins the 101st yeah, right. edition of the Commonwealth Cup. Thanks, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, folks.